Welcome again, guys, to the YVR Remo Show. Today's so we're doing something a little bit different. We're bringing in someone to share with us their personal story. We brought in a local Langley resident and uh, actually a realtor, but it's not about his real estate business. We're going to talk about his personal life and how he leveraged his real estate to essentially never make a mortgage payment and get him up to his third home and now third build in just under 10 years. Very cool story. Very interesting. Uh, everything from how his parents came here and emigrated with no money, uh, never made uh, more than 20 bucks, but are now uh, made a lot of money on building and selling properties. Some of his fears getting into the market, why he chose to buy a detached home instead of a condo or a townhome, of course, and some of his thoughts and strategies strategies in terms of tips to do this going forward. Listen in. This is a really, really fun one. Of course, make sure to follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, and reach out if you have any questions. And we'll talk to you guys afterwards. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. All right, all right. So today we're uh, we're having Mr. Steve Hill uh, join us. Steve from Langley, BC. Born and raised. Born and raised in Langley, BC, and we're hanging out in Fort Langley. What a fun Saturday uh, morning with coffees in hand, water for you, of course. Uh, excited to uh, share a little bit about your story, Steve, and, and talk a little bit about um, something that when we posted it, funny enough, I posted this up on Instagram, the title of the show, which people are going to know at this point, I'd say maybe a month and a half, two months ago, and I got almost more response than I've ever had before which is how just basically sharing one of your unique stories, how to own a home without a mortgage payment, 23 years old, no down payment, pretty wild stuff. So I'm, I'm excited to dig into that. But before we do, let's talk about Steve, the man, Steve, the man. Oh, so. well, gee, where do we start? Um, I guess most importantly, I'm getting married pretty quick here in June. Awesome. Beautiful wife. So she's a huge uh, supporter in my business and everything. So uh, that's really what we're gearing up for and and getting ready for our second build as well so right on so steve you're from langley how old are you uh i'm 33 in march cool right on and uh how many homes have you bought and sold for yourself uh i guess this is my third home i started in in clayton heights back when i was 23 yeah uh, i know you're wanting to dive into that no so. no no we'll take some time let's <laughs> yeah. dig into it so, so this is going to be your third home yeah. since you were 23 years old, which is uh, uh, pretty cool because obviously a lot of people that we meet at 33 are buying or getting invested in their first home and ages obviously doesn't matter when you get into the real estate, but kind of neat to hear that. Um, Steve, what do you, what do you do uh, or what were you doing at the time that you bought your first home, like career wise, life wise, like where were you at? Uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, partying and we, I was, you know, I was a typical 23 year old working at the bars and. Uh, didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. Like it was kind of, I think a lot of you know people in their early twenties struggle with, hey, you know, when am I going to kind of token grow up? So yeah. at at twenty three, I was I was still working in in the bars and and bartending and that sort of thing and just kind of doing odd jobs here and there. I've never been unemployed uh, since I was fifteen, so I've always loved to work and had a really good uh, work ethic, um, but. Yeah, that was pretty much my. Sorry, which bar? Did you? Uh, well, my the most uh, significant time I worked at was Ocean Park Pub in in South Surrey. There. 
Oh boy. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Got any good stories from and that, that you want to share with us? And that's actually where I met my wife or soon to be wife. There you go. Yeah. All right. So a few, a uh, few bucks uh, and, and you met your wife there. Yeah. Um, how long were you there? Uh, I worked there for just under, I guess, close to six years. Cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. 20, 21 to I guess 27. I think we're going to have to do an episode strictly on being a bartender and hear all the stories <laughs> yeah. behind the scenes there. I think you're, uh, you're right though. Being 23 is, and, and even thinking about buying real estate is so out of the question or people think it's out of the question. Yeah. A lot of people still live at home at that time. Right. Or they're renting and just getting by working at their jobs. And like you said, you're, you're young, right? Oh, for it's, sure. uh, you're trying to save, you're trying to do all these different things. And I think a lot of people just completely think it's, it's unachievable, but you obviously found a way to make it work, which is pretty cool and interesting to hear about it. Yeah. So, so let's, uh, let's jump forward a little bit on the career space and then we'll dig back deeper into like what, you know, one of the things that we we're going to talk about today about buying at that age and what okay. that looked like. So, uh, career wise, uh, you, you were doing the bartending thing, I imagine, and we're going to skip forward a little bit here, but you, you got into real estate, buying a home. Yeah. Right? My, my family uh, background, like my mom was a secretary for, for home life, uh, home life realty in Langley's and she worked there for. 30 years or or so so i've i've always kind of been around real estate that was really my first uh i guess taste of of the business because she would come home and say hey hey you know these i'm working with these realtors i'm you know working for them so i'd always hear kind of the inside story and that was when i first started cluing in wow you know these buying and selling real estate and and the adventures around that is is pretty interesting she didn't tell you all the dirty secrets though, hey? No. Kept no. those to herself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, we know that you're in the industry today as uh, a real estate agent. Uh, back then you weren't, and you probably only had, like you said, a very, very small amount of exposure. Just li- It sounds like just quite literally, you know you can make money and that's about it. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Well, it, it, it's kind of a, you know, an interesting story because when I was working in the bars, I still felt really, really young. And you know, obviously now I'm 33, I still kind of, pinch myself that I'm 33. It feels, it feels like I'm a lot younger, but nevertheless, I was, um, even at the, when I was working in the bars, I, I was trying to figure out, okay, what, how am I going to make a career here? I can't be working in the bars for, for the rest of my life. So I, I went and took the mortgage brokering course. And the whole reason I took the mortgage brokering course was because I thought all you had to do was call people and they wouldn't be, wouldn't see you be, and see how young I was when I was a mortgage broker. <laughs> So obviously I soon realized that wasn't the case and you, you're meeting people all, all the time. So interesting. So, um, did you do the mortgage thing before or after you bought your house? Uh, I did the mortgage, uh, I did the mortgage thing after I had purchased the home. So I actually worked in the bars for, uh, I guess the first three years of being a, being a homeowner. Cool. Right on. What's, so, um, sorry, I was just going to ask what prompted other than not having thinking that you didn't have to see the clients, but what prompted you to try to get into the mortgage space? My, my brother-in-law, uh, Danny Evans, he, he suggested, you know, we were kind of brainstorming, where do I go? I was, I was really focused on, I'm sure we'll touch on it, just making sure that I had my house paid for or, or the, the payments yeah. uh, taken care of. So that was for, priority number one I was making sure I was working in enough to support the home uh, but that was actually the easiest part of the equation so then I th- started thinking okay now I've got to make a career out of it so let me uh, jump into maybe mortgage brokering it seems like I've got a few ins with my family and that sort of thing and and Danny right. 
Evans being my, my brother-in-law, he was able to yeah. help me out on the mortgage side. Uh, but still, you know, I was quite young and, but it was a great learning experience and, and For I did sure. have to meet people face to face. So they saw how young <laughs> I was. So you're saying mortgage brokering isn't easy. <laughs> it, it, yeah. I, I don't, uh, what you guys do is, especially your guys' business, it's, it's run like, like a proper business and super professional. Appreciate that. Even, yeah, thank you. uh, you know, today doing the podcast with you, it's a real, real, uh, uh honor to be, to be brought Thanks, in. Buddy. Cool. Well, we want to keep that train rolling, but the people probably don't want to hear that the whole time. So let's dig in. Let's go, let's go back. Let's start all over then. So, uh, the whole purpose, uh, or the, the big thing that happened here is, uh, you, you were brought basically, uh, looking at the industry from your mom and from Danny and a few other people and saying, Holy crap, I need to get a piece of this. So let's talk about the story of what you actually bought and how you bought it. Take us through the process. Okay. So growing up, I guess we'll start a little earlier than that. Growing up, I, my parents, they, they were really hard workers. They never made over $20 an hour. Um, they, they came across, uh, from England actually. And when they emigrated, the, uh, the person at immigration said, Hey, just so you're aware, you'll never own a home. You're going to be renting probably a suite above a convenience store, convenience store. Sorry. So that just super motivated them. And it was actually when my sister married uh, Danny Evans, he started getting them into the building program. And that's where they went from earning, say, $20 an hour to creating decent wealth and a, and a good life for them and their family by doing the build and sell, build and sell program. Uh, if they hadn't done that program, they probably would have been on the verge of you know, being a, a token lifetime renter. Right. Interesting. Obviously I'd seen my parents kind of go through the process a few times and, and they were super passionate about the building and selling. And, and they, and I knew the quicker I got into real estate, the further I'd be, a, be ahead. Yeah. And even in today, like my, my, one of my business models is some people wait to buy real estate and other people, people buy real estate and wait. And it's such a simple concept. I like that. So, so back when I was, uh, 23, there came this opportunity where someone couldn't complete on a pre-sale. It was, a a Gramercy built coach home in Clayton Heights. And I was, you know, working in the bars at the time. And, and, uh, Danny had approached me and said, Hey, there's a, there's a client that cannot complete on this pre-sale purchase. Do you want to take a shot at it? And I said, well, I, of course, but how do I do this? I, I've literally got little or no savings. I, you know, I'm just working as a, as a bartender. So between Danny and my parents, we came up with this idea of, of actually leveraging the equity that my parents had built by doing the build and sell program. And I was able to pull 150,000 from their line of credit. And I agreed to make the interest only payments on it. Right. So that I used for my down payment on, on the purchase of the Clayton, Clayton, uh, coach home, uh, detached house. And the long and short of it was because I was able to get in, I actually wasn't, I didn't even have a payment on the home. And that was what made it totally feasible for me because in the, in the, uh, Clay, Clayton house, I had a basement suite that was rented. I had a coach home that was rented and I pulled in a, a roommate that was paying, I think at the time, 550 bucks a month. So 
Okay, so we need to stop here for a second and break this all down because okay. this is where it gets fun. So uh, first and foremost, uh, an opportunity where somebody could, couldn't complete on a pre-sale, which right off the bat is probably a warning for uh, a lot of people out there who are buying pre-sales to make sure you can qualify. Yeah. But you could take advantage of that, which is pretty cool. Um, the line of credit piece. So a lot of people don't fully understand how that works and how accessible it really is. Um, the reason I say that is because I see it every single day and I bet you probably wouldn't have known had someone showed you either or even your parents for that yeah. matter. So basically you can borrow up to, well today it used to be more, but 80% of today's property value in the form of a mortgage or a line of credit. The neat thing about a line of credit, and this is probably why your parents said yes, is that uh, it doesn't impact the mortgage portion and it's uh, interest only payments. So the payments are actually lower than a mortgage payment would be, right? right? Is that part of their decision? Well, and when we were looking at you know, me diving into this this property in Clayton Heights, my biggest concern was what is my payment going to be a month? Yeah. And when we started working the numbers backwards, by the time, you know, you had the two rental components, one being legal and one being illegal, but it's it's commonplace in Clayton Heights to yeah. have this scenario. And then I brought in the uh, the roommate aspect just to top up top up the revenue. When we started working the numbers backwards, my my uh my payment on the line of credit so i was fully leveraged at at 600,000 and at the time i think my payment was 2100 and on an interest only payment yeah and i was collecting like 2300 a month in in uh rent and revenue so the numbers totally made sense and i guess at the time i was just so eager to get into the real estate market that i w i would have done it even if the even if the numbers didn't make sense, but when we really broke the numbers down, it was like a no-brainer. For sure, that's huge. And I think another big part of, obviously, so at this time you were working in the bars, right? Still in the bars. So yeah. probably a big, and I'm just assuming, but probably a big aspect of what helped you buy that property was having the rental income to actually qualify with the bank, right? For sure, yeah. So that makes a world of difference when it comes to qualification, especially having two suites. Yeah. So what was like, was there any parts when you were setting this up and when you were going through this process that, that scared the crap out of you? Or was it just, I'm young and blind and I'm not scared at all. And I'm like, let's just do it. Uh, it was, uh, I had a, I had a, obviously a lot of fear when you first, I, I was, you know, 23, the, all of a sudden you're taking on a $600,000 line of credit with $0 down. And people are, it's amazing when you start to tell people what you're doing, they go, are you crazy? Like you're, you're nuts. Like you're, and this is the one that always sticks out. People go, you're never going to own your home because I, my whole goal was to only pay the interest only payment. So I was actually not paying anything off of the principal debt because I couldn't, I wasn't making enough money. Yeah. So people, you know, they, they really always kind of veer towards the, the negative side. Luckily I had, you know, Danny in the background going, Hey, look, you're, I know you're 23 buy this property. This is, this is probably the best scenario you possibly could have. And at the time, most people my age, I guess, were, uh, you know, either living with parents or they were buying condos and townhomes. Yeah. And I was working the numbers back on purchasing a condo and a townhome. Well, by the time you pay your strata fees, you have no, no rental income, no right? rental income coming in. And luckily for me, the fact that I was able to make that jump into the detached non-strata uh, realm, that property actually appreciated 
at a much higher pace than than the condo and townhouse market. So I think it's also important to note that uh, I don't think we would ever say that a, a purchase of a, an attached property is a bad idea, like a condo or a townhome. Um, from but what from what I'm getting from you, it was just it was too good of an opportunity not to do this. And you mentioned this before we started talking to you today. Is your goal was to quite literally never make a mortgage payment, right? And that's still my goal today. Like I, my whole thought process on real estate has been. I, I've mirrored the the same scenario that I started with at 23, and obviously I've you know, you know now I'm 33. So over the last 10 years, my whole objective was to never have a have a payment. I don't like payments. I don't I don't want them. And that's even this next step that I'm going into, where my uh, I'll be building my second home. I've made some mistakes on the previous build that I'm going to change on the second build to follow the my my mantra which is i don't want a mortgage i don't want a single payment let alone a mortgage payment that's interesting so some people listening to this might think that you're absolutely nuts right because you don't want to pay your mortgage down right like because that's what a lot of people are are built and, and their parents tell them it's best to pay your mortgage down as quickly as you possibly can and yeah they and think leave I'm the crazy and, and your goal <laughs> by the time you retire is to have a paid off house right which is awesome and it's for some people that's what's going to work but um, in your situation, obviously, there was a, a different play, which is more so appreciation and building to create equity, which you're going to flip and, and you're creating wealth doing that. Right. So if you look at that from a scenario of buying and selling, say, over a three year period, just very rough, but you might pay down, say, $50,000 in principal. Right. In three years, if you were to make your full principal and interest mortgage payments, whereas for yourself, like I said, you're in it for more of an appreciation game, which I'm sure you've done a lot better than that specific amount. And when a lot of people talk about paying off their property and retiring and all that kind of stuff, I mean, we all know it because we're in the industry, but not many people keep their properties for 30 years, right? Like people are selling every three to five years typically. So nobody really gets into that situation where they're paying their mortgage off as they had planned. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess people, maybe it's, a, and obviously you guys are the mortgage experts. I, I think it's an old, it's an old school mindset where you have to have a mortgage because uh, how how I don't want to retire with a huge with no uh, sorry I don't want to retire with uh, a huge mortgage, which I guess if some if you followed the same the same system that I've done for the last ten years, my current purchase I don't now I don't have a mortgage because the equity is has uh, appreciated enough where I'm able to buy right now I'm in Fort Langley but it's a it's it's going to be a teardown lot that I'm going to build on, but currently I don't have any right. payments on. It. I don't I don't know anything on it. So what do you say to people? Uh, I mean, because we've kind of gone in two separate directions. One where it's like you, you don't want to have a mortgage payment, you don't want a mortgage, but on the other side, you're like, I don't really care. I'm going to leverage it. I just don't want the payment, right? One of the most common things we hear from people, especially uh, uh, you know people uh, from an older generation where interest rates were you know ten plus percent, and that's where they grew up, is well. I'm, you know, I'm 50, 60 years old. I, you know, I don't want a mortgage. I want to pay it off. I'm going to downsize. Um, you know, we're, we obviously try to teach people it, it, the loan is actually not a bad thing. It's the leverage. It is a good thing, but it, it scares people that concept of borrowing money and leveraging your property, especially at that age. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's a scary proposition for most people or, is, or how do you frame your mind to get over that concept? It, it is, but as long as you work the numbers and the numbers make sense, like that's, that's the most critical piece. Like I know we'll maybe jump into my next project here, but um, in Clayton Heights, yeah, people said I was crazy. And, and I've had friends who have now followed the same system. I just, 
just sold uh, a friend's house who's he literally has followed the same system he's been in the the home in Clayton Heights he's had three rental components for five years his house is now doubled in value he's never made a payment on it and now he's rolling that equity into it into his next uh, project which might be in the Brookswood Mills area or the right. Fort Langley area some somewhere that's really great for for building and, and building uh, equity quickly cool so what, what would you say uh, to someone if they're like again if they have a young family instead of just being a single person or a couple like this sounds again it sounds uh, complex or complicated for a lot of people or at least they think it is like what's do you think that still makes sense for that kind of person is there a different play there like when, when you say makes sense in in what yeah, regard because a like, lot of people don't want to have you know a house with uh, a suite and then a coach home and is there another opportunity that people can take advantage of that you're seeing that's similar uh, well, I guess the, the latest trend and something that I'm going to be trying on, on my next project is to incorporate the Airbnb, uh, scenario, which is, it's a little bit of the, the best of both worlds, because if you did do an Airbnb suite in your, in your home, uh, you, you're still in total control. Uh, you control when people are going to be there, or if you have family coming in, you can exit out and, and ha have that space for, for your own use. Uh, so that that's kind of probably a little bit of the hybrid if someone doesn't want to have the full-time tenants. But I always I always find it interesting when someone someone says, "Oh, you know, I don't I don't want to be a landlord. I don't want to ha live in you know my scenario was you know I had a tenant in the in the coach house in the backyard. I had a tenant in the basement. I had a roommate. Meanwhile, they're they're going into the condo and townhouse market, yeah. which they are surrounded by." units all around them anyways they're yeah. just not collecting any rent from them yeah that's very a good, point. good point very good point yeah that's absolutely a very good point so um let's jump into what happened after you sold this house so first and foremost what prompted you to sell and then what prompted you to make the decision to buy or build the decision to sell the clayton heights house it was a it was an interesting time because the market was really starting to charge i i had built equity granted i you know i had never chiseled away at the principal debt but at least the house had appreciated substantially enough that i was able to move it on and and another uh very passionate part of my business is you always want to keep your money moving. You always want to roll it into the next project. If you stay too long, then yeah, you know, your, your, your money's not working for you. So at the time the market was, was really starting to charge. I capitalized on, I said, look, I've, you know, I've been in Clayton Heights for, I guess, five years time to move on to the next step. There was an opportunity to, to buy a, a vacant lot in Fort Langley. I, I jumped on the idea and I even encouraged two of my closest friends to buy the lot uh, next to me and, and we went through the build process together. Obviously, you know, there's mistakes that we made. You know, I, one major mistake I made was I started the uh, build purchase in a, in a company name or a holding company name and I fell in love with the house and I wanted to move into it so I ended up having to uh, pay property transfer right. tax twice on the home. So once from uh, switching it from from the company name into my personal name, and obviously once when I initially bought bought the lot at the beginning, so you know that was about a thirty thirty six thousand dollar mistake. Ouch. Now you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you were twenty eight years old, is that right? Twenty eight years old. Uh, you lived in a house without a mortgage payment, without a down payment, and leveraged that to buy a lot and uh, started to build a home. Um, pretty awesome. 
pretty cool. Uh, I think the the big takeaway right away for me is that age really li quite literally is a number. And like what you mentioned is you were willing to make some mistakes. Were any of these mistakes fatal? No, no. Okay. And, and when you had these big mistakes happen, like, uh, you know, you knew you realized that you bought it in the whole co instead of your personal name, uh, or whatever other mistakes you probably talked to us about, uh, how did you bounce back and still feel confident moving forward as opposed to just shutting her down and maybe being a little afraid of doing this again? Uh, I think just even going through the first process in Clayton Heights, having all that fear at the beginning and everyone telling you that you're crazy and you know, what are you doing? The mark every year the people are going to tell me that the market's going to crash and I'm going to go broke or you yeah. know, every, every naysayer is out there. But once you go through the process and now that I'm starting kind of the third project, each time you go through the, the rung or the steps on the ladder, it gets a little bit easier and yeah, easier, a little bit more comfortable. So I guess I would suggest that it's best for anybody just to start. And if you follow the idea of uh, like a, the mantra that I follow, just try to eliminate any payment, then, then you don't have, you know, where's the risk for sure. You, you can always live in the house. Yeah. And that was the only other mistake I guess I made on my last property in which I'm going to rectify on, on the next project is I should have put two revenue components in the, uh, Fort Langley bill that I, that I just recently sold. I, I guess each, each, uh, month when I was making a payment, it was actually driving me crazy because I was so used to not having a payment from Clayton Heights and actually being slightly, uh, cash flow positive that when I did have a payment in Fort Langley, it's just, it went, it went against my nature and against the grain. So that's yeah. why now I'm, I've sold there and I've, you know, been able to move into my next project. But if I, if I had put in a second revenue component, whether it was the Airbnb suite or, uh, you know, maybe a student boarding area or something that was able to generate that extra. Well, if you do the Airbnb, there's, I, I know we were talking earlier today, like there's some insane numbers coming in on people who are renting out these Airbnbs, oh, especially in desirable areas that don't have hotels like Fort Langley. There's, yeah. you know, people who are sometimes in the summer renting these Airbnb suites out for 250 bucks a night. Yeah. So going into that build, did you have the mindset of, cause people might be wondering, well, why would you build and sell? Why wouldn't you just buy another house? Right? So obviously there's benefits of building. You can do it. You can make a custom house that's going to be desirable for more people. Uh, and obviously typically there's going to be profit in a build rather than just buying your standard home. Right? So you going into that build, did you have the goal of, of creating more equity as you went through the, the construction process? And then did you have a plan to sell it yeah. shortly after? my brother-in-law, Danny Evans, he has a tremendous background in building. So he's always, and that he really pushed me to make the jump from Clayton Heights into, into building because not only would it enhance my career as a realtor, cause I'd learned the building process, sure. but it's one of the quickest ways to build equity. Yeah. And it's, well, it's really the quickest way to build equity. And it's most of it, as long as you do it correctly is tax free. Um, so I don't know if you want to touch on some of the areas that building does save money. I don't, 
I don't know how much time we have, but uh, let's let's keep on this though. This is this is really interesting. I mean, uh, we can explain it to people. Obviously, when you're building your own home, you're paying the transfer tax on the purchase of the the lot or yeah. the land or the house or whatever it is that you're purchasing on. You're not paying uh, like if you were to buy a brand new home, you have to pay uh, PTT on the total amount property transfer tax, which uh, we can. If anybody doesn't know what that is, let us know. We can explain that. But you're also paying GST, so on the final amount, on not- the final amount, not just the the amount that you originally paid. Yeah. So uh, you know we've worked it out people save anywhere between 25 to hundred thousand dollars on properties from 1 million to two million dollars right uh so that's a pretty good amount of chunk back in your pocket right and when you're in the next uh bracket and when you're building in the you know the two million dollar range or two million plus some of the savings when you build the house yourself can be anywhere from two to three hundred thousand as soon as you turn the the key in the door uh, some of the things I really want to jump into, and I, I know Derek's got an idea on this too, but uh, one of our big things is we, we look at ourselves on, in the mortgage space here is we try to explain to people a lot is it's it's not about quote unquote the, I mean, an interest rate is an important factor, right? In any mortgage transaction. Uh, but when it comes to real estate in general, your mortgage is, is like a tool. It's like a leverage tool. So you might pay a little bit more, a little bit less, you know, for example, with the line of credit, you probably pay a higher interest rate than like a traditional loan. But you were okay with that because it made sense. So when you come across people in your what you're doing right now that are concerned about, let's say, you know, a property price with a small difference of five thousand or ten thousand dollars, or an interest rate that's the difference of you know a point ten to point two five percent, you've clearly shown that you've been able to create a heck of a lot more money long term. How do you usually explain to people why it's not as important to worry about the pennies, but worry about the dollars? Like, how do you explain that? And it that is, it's it's. Unfortunately, what I find is a lot of people are very short-sighted on, on this topic. They go, you know, the interest, well, I'm sure you guys hear it all the time. Interest rates are going up or the market's trending downwards. I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold off. Transfer tax, real estate fees, all these costs, right? All the costs scare them away. The quicker you can get into real estate, the the better you'll like get. You said, it's very simple. Buy real estate and wait. Don't wait and buy real estate. Don't wait exactly. to buy real estate. Did you ever have a point in your uh, experience and so buying your first home and then moving into the second home where um, this was a concern of yours? And if it was, because we all you said you had a little bit of trepidation, a little bit of nervousness, how did you overcome that personally? I guess the, 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 the nervousness going in from Clayton Heights into the build because like, yeah. it's a big endeavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess just watching my parents go through building you know numerous homes and for them you know they they were not big wage earners they made less than twenty dollars an hour each and if they were able to do it and i and i i saw some of the uh the mistakes that they made they never it wasn't until later on in their uh building token career of of building their personal homes where they started incorporating the the rental revenue into the equation so they were still a little bit on the old school mindset where we got to make the payment. We're going to work harder, not you know t- smarter. But uh, I guess even when I made the jump into the Fort Langley project, you do just have to take a leap of faith, and you know you work the numbers backwards. I knew that the the rental market in Fort Langley was phenomenal. I was able to put a legal suite in the house, which uh, I, again I should have had a second component that was the only mistake i i made but uh if even the legal suite covered the majority of my payments i just didn't even like having any payment Small. monthly 
Super cool. So, uh, so you built the next home. You, you mentioned one of the mistakes was putting in the whole code instead of your personal name. You've obviously sold this home. You mentioned you bought a new property here uh, in, in what's in Fort Langley. What are you going to do differently this time around? Uh, this time, you know, you, the lot that I bought in Fort Langley is, is a ter terrific uh, building lot. It's, it's got 89 feet of frontage, so you can really nice. utilize the lot, build a, a different style of home. I'm going to, my last uh, building lot was 68 feet of frontage, so n more of a narrow lot, whereas this one I want to be able to do, you know, the triple car garage, uh, legal suite above the garage, maybe a, an Airbnb component in the basement. Uh, there's, um, you know, at least now that I've gone through the process once the second build, you can kind of tweak the whole, uh, scenario to, to be that much better. Cool. Yeah. So you, uh, am I safe to make the assumption that you use a builder or do you do it yourself? For sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if you want any, if you're going to take any piece of advice from, from this podcast, use, use a really good reputable builder. My uh, nephew, I'll do a selfish plug for him. He's 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 doing phenomenal in the building world. He's uh, Jake Evans at Casamigos Construction. If you Google him and look him up, anybody who's thinking about getting into building or needs a terrific builder, he's he's doing a phenomenal job. Because I think for a lot of people, just on the on the builder piece, getting into this, some people might work nine to five jobs, right? Or maybe someone's busy working in the real estate market. So going into that, you need to have it somewhat hands off, right? Cause it will be a hundred percent a full-time job if you were to try to take something on like this yourself. Right. So going through your last build, um, how much of your time do you think it pulled day to day? Yeah, overall? I, I, I really enjoy showing up on site. I, yeah. you know, I would take pictures of every step yeah. along the way and my, I haven't got around to it, but I was going to create this uh, time capsule of nice. the house kind of coming into fruition, but I really enjoyed showing up on site and you can save money by, you know, doing your own cleaning. Yeah. Um, you know, time is obviously so critical. So, but I find, you know, less than an hour and a half a day is, is probably totally fine to be actually on site. And you don't have to be there. So you it can could hire be that pretty up. well hands off if you wanted oh, to, right? And a lot of people, when they, uh, there's certain types of personalities that probably should be hands off yeah. in, the, in the building <laughs> side. So, uh, yeah. definitely that, that would be something I recommend. No, that's really cool to hear because I think again, whether it's buying that first property and managing that with a small amount of time and energy is the common thing that we hear in our, in our industry, in our space is uh, that's too difficult. There's too much time. I don't have enough knowledge. Uh, it's scary to do this. Um, uh, a lot of things like that. And you've hit on a couple really kind of key points first and foremost your parents were told they were never going to own you know you didn't uh, necessarily think about that until you saw it happen and so you were no different than anybody else when you got started uh people were telling you you're quote unquote you know crazy for doing this and so it was kind of probably hard at some points to just ignore that uh push it out of the um uh out of your mind and and uh, i know emotionally that can weigh on people too uh the concept you mentioned about buying real estate and and waiting i'm sure is something you learned over time because you saw that appreciation happen and and more importantly i, I the thing that really struck me was uh the story about your parents right and just listening to the fact that you mentioned uh purchasing a property uh, for them was told to be impossible um and and they basically just obviously trusted the right people and did the hard work to learn how to build and go through the process, make a few mistakes. Yeah. So, oh, go. And, and don't get me wrong, like they're not, uh, they're not real estate moguls or, but they were able to build a, a decent life for themselves just off of, 
they, they weren't going to be able to do it off of their jobs alone. It was, I, you know, growing up in my early years, I watched them, you know, we moved, uh, five times before I was 20, but you know, it was all these steps along the way that, you know, their last build was probably their most lucrative one. And it was before the market went crazy, but you know, they were able to in less than two years pocket $300,000 off of a build. And for someone who's making $20 an hour, Oh, that, it's huge. That's pretty incredible yeah. uh, turnaround for them. Absolutely. Do you think that you would give different advice to someone that's say 25 versus someone that's like, is there, is there an age where it's too young to consider either building or buying a property as an investment with multiple suites versus being too old? No, I, I think right now, like people, if, if there, there's always a way to do it. And that's what I guess if anyone's going to take anything from this podcast, I've seen people do it, whether they partner with someone else who, you know, maybe, maybe they're the, the money side of it and someone's able to find the property that works or, you know, you pair yourself up with good mortgage brokers, good realtors who are able to help you out. Uh, but even, you know, whether you're young or old, like even the, uh, in my business, we, we have clients that say, Hey, you know, I'm looking to downsize and we go, well, have you considered upsizing because they're going to be downsizing from a house into say a, a condo or a townhouse or a retirement uh, location, whereas, and then they're going to have to be making the payments on it. Whereas we, we've educated our clients to actually upsize. They're going to be in the same, uh, say they can, they want a rancher with a basement, but the basement's actually renting out for, you know, $2,000 a month. They've got no payment. Most of these people who are later on in their, in their lives have good equity and are able to do this, uh, without having to downsize and actually it sets them freer by, by upsizing. That's interesting. Another thing that we're seeing a lot of, and you can probably speak to this, is families coming together, right? Yeah. So maybe people who are looking at retiring and downsizing rather than than doing what you just said and, and a renter, even though that might fit for a lot of people, maybe they move in with their kids exactly. right, into a beautiful home in Fort Langley, as an example. We're yeah. seeing a lot of people take advantage of that. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely probably two-thirds of... Uh, my business is, is, is families moving together. It just seems whether it's, you know, they're, they're building or they're actually, uh, buying a house with a, with a suite or a side suite or something for, for, yeah. for grandma and grandpa. Cool. It's, just got to hope they get along. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so Steve, any other, uh, uh, pieces of wisdom, anything we didn't touch on today, do you want to leave for us? We, I think we might have to have you back in the future. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I, yeah, I, I just, the main, the main focus is if there's, if you have the desire to do something, I think you can really do it. There's, I can give examples of people who have, you know, had nothing going into the project or had a little bit to go to get into a project, but they've partnered up with the right people. And I'm a strong believer. If you want to do something, you can do it. I, I like it. the piece on including the right people. If you, if you're working with a good real estate agent and a good mortgage broker and, and you have a good plan to essentially like in your situation, bring to your parents, it's probably going to make it a lot easier and more feasible and understanding from their side to actually help you leverage, right? Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Steve, thank you so much for coming down, my friend, yeah. to the show. Thank um, you, sir. I'm sure this will be uh, fun to air, and uh, we look forward to seeing your next project. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.